Let's take it to the edge. Let's get the flitting. Let's talk about the night perspective. Let's get sharp. Let's get a little real. Let's talk about the night perspective. Hey guys, I'm Dan Eastland with Dogwood Custom Knives, and by the ever-binding, unquestionable authority granted to me on this day by the power of Rock Beat Scissors, I am your host for this, the first ever episode of Knife Perspective. And I'm joined here in an undisclosed location by my co-host, Kyle Daly of KH Daily Knives. How are you doing today, Kyle? Oh, not too bad, Dan. We had a pretty busy busy night last night glued up 15 handles so you got the blade show rush going so you've given up on sleep yeah for the meantime next couple weeks is going to be going to be a mad dash everybody always talks about oh i got the blade show funk some you know i I caught something at blade show and all Mm -hmm. i can think of is wow you had no sleep you're running on nothing but caffeine and you came to the show exhausted and it's because you didn't wash your hands, you got sick. Well, you're also, there's also a ton of people spreading the germs around. So but it's a fun time. If anybody's never been to Blade Show, it's a, it's a experience that is unlike any other. Yeah. Uh, last time I checked, it's still the world's largest knife show. Yeah. I think they said they had a little over a thousand uh, vendors and custom knife makers there last year. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, last year was the first year they had two separate halls, which makes me glad that I got in in the early days and I get to be in the big boy room. Yeah, I just I I managed to eke it out. I actually moved from the the back that I was at last last year, twenty four row twenty four. I'm up in row three now, so I don't know how I uh, how I made that happen. I've got uh, I've got booth, booth uh, five three seven again this year. Alrighty, yeah, I'm a. Uh, I'm table three, double B, near our uh, other good friend, uh, T.M. Hunt, Todd, Todd Hunt of, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, they, you, you're up in the good tables. Yeah, so right along the right along the, the aisle and close to the bathroom, so that'll be good this year. Yeah, that's a good location. And Todd is a is an incredibly kind and frightening, frightening individual. <laughs> yeah, he's the bit, he's a... He's a big, imposing man. He's a shaved Yeti. Just go ahead and be honest. <laughs> gotcha. So uh, let's uh, go into the overview of the show. Um, yes, let's do. So we're two guys, and we're knife makers, and we're going to talk about all things sharp and pointy. Let's see. We're knife makers, so we can talk about making knives. Uh, we use knives. We love to cook. So we're going to talk about using knives. Um, we're both running small businesses. So we're going to talk about running a small business and give the great advice of don't do it. Hopefully we'll have some, uh, some other guys on, maybe talk about, uh, dealers, pretty much every aspect of the knife culture. Yeah. And I know we're, we're also uh, looking, have some leads on some pretty interesting, uh, uh, special guests people in the the knife industry and chefs and uh people that have all sorts of other experiences uh all around knives 
outdoor gear? So pretty much anything I'm interested in or anything we're interested in, we're going to talk about. And that's mostly knife stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, one of the, one of the first, first things I can remember when I was, uh, a young, young kid. No, no, no. That's a, that's an interview question. You got to wait till I interview you. You can't start with that yet. All right. You skipped ahead in the notes. <laughs> Alrighty. Next is a word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by KH Daily Knives. KH Daily Knives for all your knife needs. They can be found at khdailyknives.com. And on Instagram and all the other social medias, YouTube, uh, Facebook, KH no, no, Daily when Knives. When you're doing a commercial, you got to you do a commercial voice. Oh, uh, I'm going to have to work on that. Yeah, something deeper and slower, maybe a little sexy. Practice in the mm-hmm. mirror. <laughs> Alrighty. All right. So since we are going to be interviewing people on this show in the future, I thought I would practice by interviewing you. We can, right. we can let the people get a little insight to, to know who Kyle is. Yeah. So, Kyle, welcome to the show. Um, are you comfortable? Do you need anything to drink? No, I'm good. Well, then, uh, then let's get started. So what was the first knife you ever had? The, the first knife I can ever remember was a Swiss Army Fisherman. Was, uh, my uh, Uncle Jim gave it to me when I was probably way too young to actually have it. <laughs> and uh, I ended up taking it to preschool and uh, for show and tell. I actually got called down to the principal's office. And my, uh, my mom asked me, or were you actually going to hurt anybody with it? Go, no, it's got fish guts on it. So that's the my first uh, ever memory of having a knife. And unfortunately, I don't still have that exact one, but uh, definitely bought it again. You know, I like everything about that story to include taking a weapon to preschool. I mean, there's there's yeah. not a lot of people I know that have done that. Do you? That puts well, you in rare company. Growing up in southern Indiana, it was uh, better than it was now. <laughs> it wasn't an automatic expulsion. Uh, yeah, that's you're touching on politics. That's that's a different podcast. I'm sorry, we we can't discuss that for sure. <clears throat> but what we can talk about is uh, how did you get into knife making? How or what got you started? So worked in a, I worked in a machine shop right out of college. I always enjoyed making things. And when I, when I got married and moved up to the, the Chicago land area, one of my coworkers, Eric Mann, showed me Andy Roy, uh, Fiddleback Forge's, uh, blade forums page. He was doing a lot of work in progress stuff. And I've always loved knives since I can remember. And I was like, well, that's not, uh, not too terribly, different than what I, a lot of the stuff I did at the machine shop. So I started, uh, uh, reaching out to Andy. And then a little bit after that, he had Dylan as a, as an apprentice and then you as an apprentice. And yeah, we started, uh, becoming good friends and we went to, went to my first blade show. And while you were still apprentice at Andy's shop, you invited me up there. And, uh, that, that pretty much got me hooked from there. Once I saw the, the grinders and stuff and, and, all the adrenaline from blade show was pretty crazy. So see, I, I remember it as y'all begging me to take you up to the shop. I, I, I clearly remember that. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a, a pretty cool vintage photo on the, on the website. Uh, you guys should check out of Dan and me at uh, blade show in 2012. Yeah, it was, um, 
that was just before I graduated Andy's shop, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was uh, that was my first Blade show. Yeah, mine too. It was uh, it was totally totally overwhelming. Um, I almost got myself in trouble at that Blade show. I didn't really understand how the knife lottery worked, so I put my name into into the hat to uh, for some hinderer knives and uh, uh. <laughs> when we were standing there waiting. And it was like, oh, this is the opportunity to buy the knife, not win the win a knife. So, yeah, that all was of a sudden a, you're really hoping to get in a win. <laughs> yeah, uh, Woody uh, from uh, USA Made Blade, he was standing there trying to build up the, his his inventory, and he's like, "If you win, just uh, I'll just tell him I'm you. Is that okay?" I'm like, "Absolutely," because I don't have that much money. <laughs> Yeah, I, one day I think I would like for people to have to raffle off the chance to pay a ridiculous amount of money for one of my knives. Oh yeah, I think the cheapest one they they had on the table at uh, table price was like eight hundred bucks, and uh, I think I brought five hundred dollars for the entire show, <laughs> that first show. You know that that's a good start. I mean, I, we need to get your numbers up a little bit, but that that's a good solid place to start. <laughs> Yeah, we were we had just gotten married, so money was a little tight too. So, hey, you know, if if it's true love, she'll understand. Yep. So, are you uh, are you entirely self taught? Do you take classes, apprentice, read a book? I haven't really uh, really taken any classes. Um, I did do the Blade Show University stuff. Uh, Tom Crine and Chris Williams and. Uh, uh, man, blanking on the third person. He was the he he's a designer for uh, uh, dude. Over, he did the Quaken. He did the the Quaken. Um, man, I have to edit some of this stuff out. No, no, no. See, this this is genuine. <laughs> this is what people uh, come for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the the three of them taught you everything you needed to know. I mean, was was that your foundation? It was it was mainly a lot of a lot of you guys with uh, the Fiddlefac Forge crew. Um, ah, that's what I was waiting Luke, to hear. Yeah, Luke, <laughs> or Lucas Burnley. That's the uh, the other guy at the the Blade Show University. But um, yeah, the yeah the full Fiddleback Forge crew. Uh, Andy Andy showed me some stuff, and Dylan Fletcher um, one night in the pit. Uh, we talked for probably three hours and I still have a, a bunch of scribbles that I tried to document everything he was telling me. <laughs> and I was looking at that the other day. I was like, man, all that stuff's just in my head now. And then, uh, yeah, you, when we came up to the shop, my, uh, my wife and I, you showed us around there. We, we were there a lot longer than she was anticipating us being there, but it was great to get to see exactly how we were doing that stuff. Cause, uh, right when I, went to blade uh for my birthday my uh, parents got me the grinder in a box kit from polar bear forge so it was all half inch thick sheet metal or half inch thick steel you would bolt together and stuff so um at that point i had started to try to grind some of my first first knives and just literally burnt the ever-living crap out of my my thumbs uh those first couple times and uh had to end up taking a few days off to let uh, let that all heal back up, and uh, it's amazing how how long it takes to to learn how to do a bunch of that stuff. 
Yeah, it's, it's self-correcting though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got instant feedback. So, and uh, then once you once you heat treat the knives, then you got to be even more careful not to get it hot. So, lots uh, of dunking. What's the, what's the favorite knife? You, what's your favorite knife pattern that you've made? That I've made, it's a. Uh, it's got to probably be the one of the most recent Santokus that I made. Uh, made my made it for my wife Courtney. It's a, a carbon steel Damascus rain raindrop pattern, and it's got some Beyond Woods Products uh, core res handle. It's just just turned out super cool. Yeah, that's probably one of my one of my favorite ones that I've made so far. And Beyond Wood Products and Casting Kings are probably two of my favorites for the hybrid handles. Mm-hmm. with the the wood and the resin yeah so when i was at blade uh last year i uh, had a table and i was right next to a bunch of the north carolina makers i think it was mm-hmm. and there was a guy jay hugh um i actually got a couple pieces from him that's going to be on knives for this blade show uh, he had a couple resin uh pieces that were pretty spectacular one's going on uh one of my carving knives huh. I have to check him out. What was his name again? Uh, J. Hugh is his Instagram handle. All right. Uh, just J. H. U. E. Um, so, what's the favorite knife? Your favorite knife that you haven't that you did make? Somebody else's knife. My favorite knife that I that I haven't made is uh, if uh, Todd let's listen to this one. He's uh, he's been working on an M eighteen. We uh, <laughs> I was texting him one night and he was saying how much he hated making kitchen knives. And I told him how I wanted an M18 <laughs> and he's, he had been drinking and he, uh, he offered oh, up exchanging, him. <laughs> offered up exchanging a uh, M18 for, uh, for a kitchen knife. I ended up making him a, a chef's knife and a boning knife. Cause I felt bad because him, that's his, uh, what he does all the time. And I just do it part of the time. So, um, yeah, so that, I'm still waiting on that one. That's probably going to be one of my favorite ones. Um, one of my other Todd, we're we're talking to you. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite ones, the favorite patterns of of, of kind of all time that were that's production style is the the USMC K bar. That's just been amazing. I just love the big clip, just the 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 look and everything. Yeah, that's almost as iconic as the the traditional American Bowie knife. I mean, when you mm-hmm. when you see an old K bar, there's not much more in the world that's that's more American than that. Yeah, it's it, it amazed me the the stacked leather handle how how much like getting it wet and just still how grippy it was. I've taken it backpacking and stuff. It was one of my one of my first bigger knives. Uh, all my knives kind of before that that weren't kitchen knives were were like sub four inches. Most of them were like three, three and a half inches. That's much bigger than you think it is. Yeah. I mainly carried a, until, kind of until I started making knives, I, I carried a lot of folders, a lot of Benchmade, Spyderco, um, a lot of those knives. And it wasn't until I uh, started making a bunch of knives that I, I think I truly started appreciating the the fixed blade knives as much as I do now. So, what style do you work in? Do you smith? Do you do you smith? Do you stock remove? Do you do both? I do stock removal. Uh, I live in the the western suburbs of Chicago, so smithing is not really in the the cards right now. So, I do stock removal. My I mainly work with uh, a lot of stainless steels, and just recently at the 
the blade show last year, I bought my first, uh, finally ponied up enough money to buy some of my first Damascus billets, man, that stuff is a lot of fun to work with too. It just looks really cool. Started with stainless steels. I never really did a whole bunch with just straight high carbon. I just kind of jumped right in and, uh, it wasn't until you and the high carbon Damascus stuff that I realized how much easier it is to grind than the stainlesses. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's amazing that it still has a lot of wear resistance, but it, it, it's just grinds a lot easier than a lot of the, the stainless. Yeah. I do, uh, like with O one, I use the, uh, the Norton blaze belts. Mm-hmm. So with O one, I can make about, I can make about five knives per belt. With S35VN, I can make about half a knife per belt. Yeah. And they always say use those belts like they're free, but man, when you're first starting out and you're and you're just watching <laughs> ten 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 dollar bills get thrown on the floor, that's hard to watch until and you start right. to realize your your time is worth worth way more than the cost of that belt and start slinging them over more. It took me a while to get to that point because I'd use them until they were as smooth as paper. Yeah, I'm still not really to that point. <laughs> you know, but I, I got I, really, I got my thumb real bad one time on a a sixty grit and uh, got a a nice eight inch uh, diameter uh, scallop into my thumb. So oh, nice. That, that got me to want to throw those belts to the side a lot quicker. Yeah, well, and I'm just now gotten to the point where the amount of extra time it takes when it's when it stops cutting well. Mm-hmm. It's just not worth it. Move on to the next one. You start getting all the all the different facets and stuff too. When you go to a brand new belt, it just just takes it off a lot more evenly uh, and cleaner. I've started to notice if the the grind is a little off. If I'm struggling with it, if I change up my belt, it usually cleans everything up. I've started using uh, Pops knife supplies. Mm-hmm. Um. They give you the same price on a single belt that other places used to make me buy 10 or 15 belts to get the price break on. Yeah. So so it doesn't sting quite as badly now. I mean, it's still eight bucks a belt versus 10, but when, uh, when the apprentice comes through with a double arm load of belts, I don't feel quite so guilty anymore. Yeah. The, um, I just bought a, a bunch of rhino wet, uh, nine by 11 sheets of sandpaper from them too. They had some of the best prices on that, that I've found on anywhere. Yeah. And that stuff, I think it's, and I think it's coming out of Indonesia, but it cuts really well and the grit is consistent. So you don't get those random scratches. Yeah. Well, when you're hand sanding and, and that's all the, free plug. no, no, that's all the free plugs they're getting until they pay up. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're hand sanding the, having that consistent paper is, is really important. I, I started off using some of the, the different Norton stuff and uh, some 3M stuff that you could just get at the, the Home Depot and uh, learned really quick that that needed to buy some more specialized paper. Yeah, I, I, was, in, I was surprised once I started buying good paper, I started using about a third less. No. The Home Depot stuff, I would blow through a pack in two days. And your shoulder doesn't hurt as much. Yeah. From all the rubbing. Well, one of us is starting to get to that age where that matters. Yeah. Um, so what would you say defines your style? Um, I, I really tr- kind of pride myself on having uh, ergonomic handles. Really like 
like the handle to, when you're holding it to be able to close your eyes and know which way that blade is pointing and to have it fit really well in the in your palm of your hand. Uh, would so, you say uh, you, you follow the Bob Loveless uh, school of handle design? Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Mark of the Maker podcast, uh, I listen to that a lot. They just recently came out with a uh, a whole episode just about Bob Loveless. It was super good. Yeah, some of the uh, some of my mandatory reading uh, when I started my apprenticeship. One of them was uh, Bob Lovelace's. Uh, ma- I think it's even called "Making a Knife with Bob Lovelace." Mm-hmm. Um, partially for the design theory, but more so since I was doing stock removal as well. He's not the first person to do stock removal, but he was, as far as I know, he was one of the first big names to do it, and it was a, a good foundation. Um, both because, I mean, he died with a 10-year waiting list. The man knew something about how to design a knife. They, they still have still have a pretty long waiting list in, of people that are working there now. Yeah, well, and from what I understand, um, anybody could walk into his shop and he would allow them to make copies of all of his patterns. You know, the, you could just walk in and trace out all of his pattern blanks and his – opinion was I'll never be able to make all the knives that have been ordered. You know? Oh yeah. You can make all of my knives that you want. Yeah. That, uh, that takes some big cojones to be able to be, be that open and sharing. Um, some of it is, that was the old, the older knife culture. They shared back when it was a smaller, less competitive group, they shared everything. And from Mm -hmm. what I understand, his opinion was, Look, kid, if you can threaten my business, then I'm not doing a good enough job. I got a a 15 year head start on you. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going to help you out because if you can threaten me, then I'm, I'm not doing a good job. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, some of the old school guys, um, some of the guys I worked with, came up with some very proprietary techniques, mm-hmm. and some of the old school guys would get worked up about, you know. Why won't you tell me how to do it? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, and I get it. I you know you spend time and money and effort to come up with this technique in a really competitive field where there's just not much new. You, know, you, you don't give that away for free. But the old guys used to get absolutely incensed. Yeah, I think I think some of the old guys that you had to kind of be in the kind of in the club, know who you who you were. Also, yeah. I don't know if they would just give it away to some of my experience with uh, hearing some of the stories that the, some people were not uh, like the Skagel. It was uh he didn't really talk to anybody about how he did anything. That's true. I have heard some, uh, some stories of near fisticuffs. The, uh, the guideline I got was, and I've kind of developed it for my own. If somebody else taught it to me, if I got the information from somebody else, unless they specifically said don't share it, then I'm going to give that away for free because it's not mine. I'm I'm going to help other people out. If I put time and money into it, then I'm not giving it away for free. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I, I kind of go along that same philosophy. Um, I had a ton of people spend a lot of time uh, helping me learn, and I feel like I – I owe it to the the next person to 
try to try to do as much as I can for them. Yeah, it's why uh, I don't charge for an apprenticeship. Um, you know, Andy didn't charge me, and his deal was, you know, the guys that taught me didn't charge me, so I'm not charging. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the other side of that is I worked unpaid 40 hours a week for almost a year. So, I mean, arguably you pay in that I provided free labor, but I don't, I don't charge people because I didn't get charged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't had anybody banging on my door to want to be my apprentice yet. So, um, <laughs> we'll see if that changes. <laughs> it's not as glorious as it sounds. Yeah, um, uh, I don't have an actual. Uh, my my workshop is my house, so it's a little bit different of a scenario to uh, to have an apprentice like that. Yeah, when Dylan and I were with uh, Andy, when we first started, his shop was still in his basement. He hadn't moved out yet. Hmm. And that, that added a, a whole extra level to the the interaction is you had to build enough of a relationship that he's willing to let you. You know, we had to go around back to get to the shop. We weren't, we weren't allowed into the house. Mm-hmm. But before he'd let you into the shop, you had to at least build enough trust that he'd let you to the house. Yeah. Because he had like a walkout basement or something like that, right? Yeah, he had a daylight basement. And, you know, Dylan, I think that nine people tried to apprentice with Andy before Dylan. Dylan was the first person to graduate his program. And then I was I was right behind Dylan. A lot of people want to say they're knife makers. Not a lot of people want to do what it takes to be a knife maker. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I, I've had some of my friends uh, say, you shouldn't tell them that like you, you learned how to, or you learned how to do that stuff. It's uh, like a trade secret. I'm like, if, if they want to burn their hands as many times as yeah. I have uh, to get to where I am now, there a lot of people aren't going to do that. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason you and I wanted to do some of this stuff with the podcast too, is to uh, kind of point some younger makers that we get asked a lot uh, to some of these episodes of things we want to talk about. On that note, what what is your number one favorite must-have tool in the shop? Must-have tool, and that would definitely be my my grinder. I really love all the the different attachments and stuff for it. Uh, made a bunch, all the different wheels, and there's not really any way that I would be able to do what I do without that. Especially since I don't forge. Yeah, after the grinder would probably probably my bench vices. One of my other big must-haves. I have a rotating head Yoast vice. Yeah, it's the seven seven fifty Di. That's a beast. Being able yeah. to hold your work solid while you're uh, doing file work or uh, sanding handles. I started off with, uh, you know, I was a woodworker first, so I had a bench vice with wooden on the jaws, jaws, and I put leather over them. Mm-hmm. And was working with, I mean, I only had two options for the knife, vertical or horizontal. Mm-hmm. And when I got a knife vise, it made all the difference in the world. Yeah. Yeah, being able to turn it all all the different ways. What kind of steel do you like to work with? You'd, you'd mentioned Damas. Um, yeah. My, my favorite is still 154CM. It's a variation of 440C. has a... Uh, a little bit more molybdenum. It was actually developed uh, uh, as a more corrosion resistant option for 440C, uh, which is kind of the 
most used culinary steel, like most of your most of your knives that you're going to see in Walmart and those places are all going to be 440C. So it's a little bit, you get a little bit harder. Uh, I think the corrosion resistance is a little bit better. I've had lots of folding knives uh, with it, and I've always found it fairly easy to sharpen, and, but still hold an edge for a very long time. And once I got into knife making, it's still relatively economical to for me to buy uh doesn't uh once you start or once you start the powdered metal version of it is uh almost double the cost the the people that i'm selling to right now are are still a little more price conscious than well and it's so. a it's one of those bang for the buck steals that you, mm-hmm. you know, better edge retention more corrosion resistance than 440c so it's a it's an upgrade from what you see but mm-hmm. it doesn't break the bank yeah and back in the day when when it came out, it was the super steel. So uh, lots of people were giving it really high praise back then. Now that there's all sorts of other crazy crucible powdered metal stuff, it's kind of kind of gotten a bad rap. But it's still a, a rock solid steel, I think. I, yeah, I would agree. And 440C got a an undeserved bad rap. Um, mm-hmm. It is a common steel. And it is definitely an upgrade from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, most all your fillet knives and stuff are going to be 440C because it's, I, from my understanding, it it does a lot better being super flexible. Yeah, um, and the corrosion resistance is great. Yeah. What kind of handle materials do you like to use? Well, we mentioned earlier the Beyond Woods products, Shockwood. That's uh, one of my favorite. The resin cast wood, I really like that bias cut micarta so instead of it being like a thin thin sheet it's like an inch and a half two inches tall Um, so you get all the the grain patterns and i've actually had people that have argued with me that uh it's not wood (laughs) just because it uh because it has really really interesting grain grain like look so you Um, get the end grain rather than the the top grain yeah yeah so all the layers are perpendicular to the handle uh, so that looks looks really cool. Uh, I just bought a bunch of stuff from uh, GL Hansen and Sons. They used to be called Unique Micarta on Instagram. Yes. Uh, I got some uh, rag Micarta that's blue, blue, black, and white uh, that's going on a couple kitchen knives that I think is going to look pretty sweet that I'm excited about. And uh, I've been on a big ironwood kick recently also. I bought... Uh, 35 blocks in the last two months and i just recently today got a got a big batch of tasmanian stabilized tasmanian blackwood that has a Hmm. a koa a koa like look lots of curl and stuff so unfortunately none of that stuff's going to be on the blade show knives since i just got it now but (laughs) yeah yeah i had to put in a panic order uh matter of fact this morning i had to put in a panic order and pay 90 dollars in shipping Wow. Yeah, I um what, on the what'd ups- you get? uh handle materials and some pins. Mm. On the upside, I I'm getting more done than I thought I would, but I had this okay. sudden panic of, oh wait, come Monday morning, I don't have pins. <laughs> yeah, that'll stop you in your tracks. Yeah. Well, and I was already doing the math. I'm like, okay, Woodcraft doesn't have anything. Home Depot's only got brass. Like I'm trying to 
trying to noodle out what uh, what I can find locally. So uh, I'm a little spoiled in that in that regard. I don't know if you've heard of the the awesome company that is McMaster Car. Uh, you know, I, I think I may have heard something about them. So where I where I work, my my full time job is uh, I'm an engineer for Navistar. They make international trucks, semis, and school buses. I'm a so we're testing and validation engineer, and uh, the McMaster Car World Headquarters is uh, five minutes away from uh, where oh, I work man. every day. So if you uh, go to McMaster Car and it says in stock, I can pick it up in an in an hour. Oh. You know, you weren't my favorite person to begin with. <laughs> now I, I I hate you just a little bit. Yeah, it's it's I can't lie. It's it's pretty awesome. It's about I I'm about thirty minutes away from him where my house is. So even even doing that drive isn't too bad if I'm in a pinch. Yeah, there. Uh, I think it's a raffle. Um, it's a really cool synthetic material. It looks almost like corn husk that's cast in resin. Okay. Um, I uh I've done a lot with that. The the chefs I work with love it. Hmm. Cool. And that's their free plug. I've seen uh you were doing a lot of stuff with different foods and stuff, hops and coffee beans and stuff that was really cool. Uh thank you. Yeah, we did coffee beans, hops, rosemary and thyme. We experimented with some different rice and pastas, but um they don't stabilize well. Uh, too much starch. Um, okay. We tried bay leaves, but that wound up looking boring. Uh, I have got uh, – I've made contact with a hemp grower. Hmm. So it'll be uh, buds that are no THC, completely legal, but uh, we're working on a, a 420 series to go along with the coffee beans and beer hops. Yeah. Cool. I'll be interested to see what that looks like. Um, <laughs> pretty much what you would expect. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. It's a, that's a pretty big market right now with, uh, every, or all the, all the states starting to legalize it more. Yeah. Uh, sorry, politics. Can't talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you get your inspiration? I get a lot of inspiration from other makers. I, I, I didn't really think I would like Instagram as much as I, I did. I was kind of thought it was a, a fad that. I still feel that way about, yeah, I still feel that way about Twitter. I still don't really understand uh, what's so enticing about that, but I ended up getting the bug on Instagram and spend definitely way more time on there than I should. But yeah, just seeing all the other knife makers putting uh, work in progress stuff. It's, it's always amazing how much you can gleam from just a picture and seeing a, a tool like on their workbench off to the side or, uh, seeing something that's on their, on their table, a color combo that really, really strikes you that you haven't had never thought of before. Some people might call that theft. I prefer to think of it as inspired by. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, as long as you're not, uh, claiming it's one of their knives. I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't feel <laughs> bad if anybody doing it off, uh, some of my, my combos, but, uh, it I really like flattered. <laughs> I really, I really like, uh, blue colors and stuff. So that's, that's kind of where I end up going color wise. Yeah. Just different, different art stuff. I like, uh, don't really like going to art museums and stuff, but 
my my mother-in-law is big into quilts and she showed me a bunch of different quilt things and lots of lots of different color combinations and stuff you can go with and then there's always always people coming out with new handle materials like you with the 420 stuff coming out and different things that you've never seen before but that's because i get bored easily (laughs) yeah so you do everything you do is custom it's I mean, you do patterns, but it's basically one-off handmade. You make each one individually. I still don't ha- or haven't gotten um, enough kind of quantity to start water jetting stuff out. So I still buy it in bar stock and uh, scribe the scribe the pattern out and then grind it to shape. And so it's all all done either on a bandsaw or on the grinder. So do you have a, a favorite production knife, like mass-produced knife? One of my one of my favorite knives has uh, been the Benchmade Griptilian, and I actually had a won a uh, an Instagram giveaway from DLT uh, Knives. It has a set of custom aluminum scales on it, which got rid of that that handle that has the rough rough grip on it. Mm. And uh, that's probably my my favorite knife at the moment, even though it's still pseudo custom. I carry that one a lot. I really like the. Uh, the Manix uh, by Spyderco. That's uh, that's one of my other ones. I I, I like to carry uh, folders because I'm always needing to open a box or trim a string or open a package or the ninety percent of stuff we actually do with a knife versus what we like to say we do with a knife. Yeah, I'm not doing bear grill style stuff every day. So I should hope it's, not uh, peeing on your knife. <laughs> Yeah, not drinking pee. So yeah, the so and I I carry one of my own uh, pocket bushcrafters. It's a three inch fixed blade uh, with a a back pocket sheath that I haven't seen a ton of people um, really doing that. Uh, but I really like it. The knife fits in there. I carry a Leatherman in with it also, and uh, that's kind of my my favorite fixed blade for especially carrying every day. Oh, this is pr- this doesn't work so well for you because you've already got a a regular job. But if you weren't a knife maker, what would you be doing? Uh, yeah, I. I Let me guess. A... You'd be an engineer doing um, structural test on I don't know, say large vehicle components. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I when I show people what I work on, it's uh, it's always pretty cool, especially younger kids. My my wife's a fourth grade teacher. And, um, yeah, pull up a picture of, uh, some of the military vehicles and stuff we make and some of the, the trucks and stuff that we make. It's, it's, hey, it's amazing I broke to see some there. of the trucks you make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the, I think some of the trucks we made were when you were already out, but. Uh, so, yeah. so we're going to go with age jokes already. We're, we're at that point <laughs> in our relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the M wrap is one of the the coolest ones that uh, I haven't done a whole lot of work on it, but they they developed that one for the Afghanistan conflict for uh, road roadside bombs, yeah, having the shape hole and stuff. Yeah, that one just looks like uh, looks like a, something that came right out of Batman. It's so cool, which is the way all military vehicles should be. Yeah, totally. I mean, if it's not cool and a little intimidating, then we just shouldn't put us on it. Yeah. 
So what do you think – where do you think the industry is headed? What's going to be the next big thing? So uh, you and I, I think, share a similar view that uh, kitchen knives are one of the one of the places that uh, the industry is kind of heading. And it doesn't seem like a, a lot of people are uh, really looking at it that much. But I've got a lot of people that – a lot of my customers are uh, – people during the recession they they kind of they'd used to go out four five six seven days a week uh for dinner and uh once the recession hit they didn't quite have as much money so they've gotten uh a lot of them have gotten really into cooking and uh now that they've been doing it for a while they want to take some of that money that they would have spent going out and they they want to get some some hot rod uh, kitchen stuff. So, and then their, their spouses and stuff want to give them special gifts and stuff too. So that's been, uh, been one of the, one of the kind of the untapped markets that I've, I've seen. A great way to deflect the attention on the $400 bushcrafting knife you just bought is the $400 kitchen knife you just got for your wife. Yeah. There's that too. Got to keep the wife happy. Hey, happy wife, happy life. Yep. Well, Kyle, thank you very much for stopping by the undisclosed location. Uh, if somebody's interested in seeing more of your work, where could they find you? Um, uh, Cage Daily Knives on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, and I got a YouTube channel. And uh, CageDailyKnives.com is the the website, and uh, that's uh, you can get a hold of me at uh, Kyle at Cage Daily Knives. Is uh, the email, and uh, it's pretty much pretty consistent across all sorts of social media platforms. Well, look forward to seeing you at uh, Blade Show, and thank you for coming by. Yep, great to be here. Okay, so I just got a text. Not just got it. That was one of the bings that we're going to have to edit out while we we're talking. But um, that website that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. um, they're going to go live soon, and I am just waiting. I think we can talk about it today, but I'm not sure. So as soon as I hear back from Clay, um, but they're going to open up their entire archive. Mm. So apart from just being interested in um, in the articles, the the research capability. I think they go back to the early 70s. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, it uh I I'm excited. Um but as soon as I hear back from Clay, uh depending on when this is going to air, we'll uh, we'll be able to give details. Okay. Yeah, we don't we don't have we can talk about that in the next episode or something too. All right. Just so we don't don't accidentally spoil anything. Don't want to start our podcast career off with that. You know, <laughs> part of me says you reached out to me after nine thirty at night. You know, I've already had one drink. This is this is really on them. I mean, it was it was irresponsible on their part. Oh, I, I mean, I'm just behaving in line with my natural tendencies. Yeah, Beth gives me that stony silence, too. Wait, seriously? You there?
All right, so it's just me. Nobody worry. This is totally not a technical difficulty, um, and I'm not panicking in the least. So while um, my co-host, who is totally going to be the co-host for a while after messing this one up, while he tries to figure out his technical difficulties, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the new website. In the show notes, down in the show notes, you are going to find a link to knifemagazine.com. Knife Magazine is one of my favorite knife uh, publications, and they have created a new online edition. And the thing that I am most excited about is their entire archive is going to be online. So if you get a membership to the – or excuse me, a subscription, get a subscription to the magazine, and that will give you access to the website and the archive – which is phenomenal. Um, Mark Z has been in the industry. He's the editor and he has been in the industry forever. And apart from being a, certainly a world renowned, if not the most respected expert on Bowie knives, he is a well-respected judge on knives and clay who used to be over at the truth about knives is now editing their website. So, Definitely check them out. I've had the I've had the subscription for a while, but it is worth the subscription, even if you don't read the magazine, which you should. But even if you don't, just to get access to the web content. So I would go by and check them out. Um, also mention to them that you're really upset by the total lack of coverage on Dogwood Custom Knives, because that is just an outrage. Um, and at this point, uh, you know. It, It's been about an hour. We're going to call this an episode, and that's totally not because Kyle is completely ghosted on me. So this is episode 001. Episode 002, we'll go ahead and start recording that as soon as Kyle gets back online. So thanks for coming by. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, uh, please feel free free to email us at... uh, uh, you know, Kyle, I, I hope you're going to fix this in post-edit. I think it is uh, knifeperspective.com. Um, you know, at least one of them is dan at knifeperspective.com. Okay, so if you have questions or nice things to say, something positive about how amazing I am, feel free to send that to dan at knifeperspective.com. Uh, if, if you want to complain or talk about how Kyle has totally let us down by his – failure to uh, to finish the show feel free to send those at kyle at knifeperspective.com actually you know what if it's funny like if, if it's really funny go ahead and send that to me too all right guys thanks for joining us okay me really me it's totally me thanks for joining me on this first episode and look forward to hearing from y'all and talking to you again next week or next month I don't know when we're doing the next one, but we're totally doing another one. Thanks, guys. Have a great time. Bye.